This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. Hi, I'm Will. Hi, I'm Mary Jo. And we're going to talk about Sargasso of Lost Starships by Poole Anderson. First published in Planet Stories, January 1952. I think the way this happened, I was probably tweeting about it. And I think Mary Jo was following me on Twitter. And yeah. <laughs> and he, he said, uh, would you like me to record this or something like that? And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> Is that what happened? Is that your memory of I it? I think, yeah, that's why. And then I, and then I thought like, yeah, I'll, and, the, and I think this was last year. Uh-huh. And I said that, yeah, we could try to, I could try to record it. And I said, maybe at the end of, uh, end of October, you'll have it. Wow. And you got it like what, March? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, 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 I think it was February that you got that I finally sent it to you. Yeah, and you did. You, you recently did the same thing with a, I think a whole novel, and and you said, would would it be okay to have it to you by October or something? I'm like, hell yeah! <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, probably next I'm March, I'll maybe. be happy to receive. Uh, that that book looks really fun too. Uh, what's it called? It's like. There's no men on the planet or something? Yeah, World Without Men. World Without Men. That's Yeah, I, I started yeah. reading it uh-huh. uh, just to see what it, it, the uh, atmosphere nice is like. Yeah, it's, you could say that, you could say, well, you, you got to give credit that it's a bit dated in <laughs> some of the ideas. <laughs> so if you apply it in our society now, people who would be reading it would be like, well, it's not that actually, it's that, that's not how it actually happens. And that's not how actually <laughs> women who live with men who have no idea of what men look like would think of like, yeah, this is what, how we'll react. But hey, there you go. Wait, wait, wait well, are you talking about Virgin Planet? Uh, no, that's a different book. That's a different because that, that, that's a different Anderson, Anderson right? book without. Yeah. yeah, that's a different Anderson without. Who, who's the author of uh, of that? World World Without Men. It's a different person. Let me just yeah. have a look. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, so it's like, oh, are you talking about a different book? Uh, I'm no, gonna put my no, own name it, into the Twitters and see what happens. Uh, it's it's by uh, Charles Eric Main. That's the dude, and the yeah, cover is amazing. Yeah. And we have the original art, uh, for, it was at auction or something. So, um, on the cover, there's a lady with purple hair and green eyes, as in the sclera, you know, the white part of your eyes is mm-hmm. green. And she's got like yellow, yellow irises and purple lipstick. <laughs> her, her breasts are, look like they're a bathing suit, but I think they're just dyed or something. And mm-hmm. then, I don't know. She's, I think she's I'm, wearing like a, a um, uh, what's it? What we call it? Uh, strapless Hasties? bra or something. Yeah. Um, and then there's a dead corpse of a man on, uh, I don't know, a, a dissecting a table. Yeah. And then there's a computer or something in the background and she's looking all worried. <laughs> <laughs> and I can read the back here. Um, oh, I'm, I'm looking at this now too. It's this great, is, right? uh, so, I, I like the lipstick. Mm-hmm. Like she's got the like, She's got lavender lipstick on with like green irises, uh, or rather the whites of her eyes. Are the it's the like, sclera. Is, 
I think it's called. The sclera. Okay, you were saying that's green, and then but the hair. It's like I don't it's... know. I feel like you would like like run into this person at like. She looks like, modern. What is with that garment around her neck? Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like a space suit uh, that I don't collapses know that, down. I, I, there's a, there's a, I've seen a different cover of World Without Men, which is much better. Oh, re- what do you mean much better? This is the best cover ever made, man. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to read the back for you. It says, the world of 5,000 years from now was a world of only one sex, women. Love was an unnatural affair fostered by the inhuman hand of the unseen government. Babies were created by laboratory techniques based on mass deception. There was one all-important project that supplied humanity's only motive for continued existence, the struggle to recreate the male sex. Yet the very act of realizing this this dream was to set up a crisis of a of the world of women had never uh, uh, set up a crisis the world of women had never anticipated and could not control. Here is a truly unique novel which dares to discuss a scientific subject hitherto untouched by science fiction. Slanted for the intelligent adult reader, it will be ranked with 1984 and Brave New World. <laughs> uh, Mary Jo, is that uh, your assessment? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think you just like, I think you could just say that any author is is the is a product of their um, <laughs> of their environment. So I would just say if that's what he thinks, <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm I I just think it's so amazing um, that I hadn't heard of it until I did, and then I'm like, oh my god, this sounds great. Um, I I actually has a physical copy of this and scanned it um, years and years ago, and then. Um, I'm like this needs to be an audiobook, and I think I put that out there saying, "Why isn't this an audiobook?" And you again <laughs> responded to that. So I, I look forward to talking about it next year with you or or thereabouts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like okay. serious. Thanks for taking this one on. <laughs> yeah. So everybody should have heard uh, Sargasso lost starships last week, and I think you did a terrific job. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was a bit worried about the sound effects and stuff, but you didn't go overboard with it, which a lot of people Thank do. You. So please, uh, keep, keep that, that level of, uh, of, you know, don't go full audio drama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but okay, it was, it was, it was, it was very well done. And there's a lot to per, lots of, uh, weird pronunciations in there mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like i i oh i was digging out the pdf because i actually don't know how like some of the characters names uh woka right how do you how yeah. did you pronounce it i thought i pronounced it a vulture like as Wocha. i see oh, yeah. it okay. and like because yep, yep. i was thinking that because he's like a watcher yeah for, yeah yeah um yeah, so Basel. actually so i was thinking I, I was thinking you were saying watcher um but yeah, listening to an audiobook, you can't really know how things are pronounced. Yeah. Basil Donovan, that sounds relatively pronounceable. But uh, how were you pronouncing the main antagonist's uh, voice? Oh, God. Will? Oh, Volduma. Volduma. Like, uh, I, yeah, I've just been like going around like my house, like muttering Volduma's name, like <laughs> thinking about this audiobook. Like, Volduma. Volduma. Uh, yeah, uh, like I, I, it's 
I think, uh, yeah, I think Mary Jo uh, uh, captured the uh, uh, the atmosphere of uh, what Paul Anderson was like doing here, mm-hmm. and just kind Those of. Those are uh, like italic, uh, italicized. Is that is it, so? You put like a, an echoey, or I don't know how you did. Yeah, sort of like because I'm thinking that's his thoughts. You know, yeah, we're and, and it's like thoughts, a ghost, right? So, yeah, it's a ghost. Sort of transmitting yeah. through his brain, spaceman, yeah. you have wandered too far. You have been wandered. You have wandered beyond the edge of creation, and now there is only death. <laughs> I have fun doing that. Yeah, <laughs> although I was using my MacBook, my aged MacBook, my uh, my ancient MacBook, and uh, I think um, it's slowly packing up. <laughs> oh, so, so that's it, one of the few things it's done before um, before it. Um, Went to inaction. (laughs) (laughs) When it got lost in the sea of Sargasso uh, of the Black uh, uh, Nebula. Yeah. (laughs) Along with other uh, MacBooks and old uh, Dells and (laughs) iPads. (laughs) Well, it's just a shame that the um, I'm using Audacity with my new laptop now. It's a shame that you, it doesn't have the uh, the uh, special effects. It doesn't have the uh, special effects ready yeah. for you to use. You have to uh, tweak a bit. Yeah, so, so you're using GarageBand, I think. It. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. So, uh, who... Uh, I, I, I suggested who uh, anybody wanted to could do the audio... Uh, not the audio drama, the... Um, Doctor Who uh, adaptation, and uh, <laughs> Misa took me up on it, right? I didn't have a chance to, so Misa, why don't you tell us about the Brain of Morbius? <laughs> it's a great story, well, although it's, a- it's slightly different than this one. Uh, well, so Morbius is is dead, except for his what brain? Yep. <laughs> it's a brain in a jar. Which is in a jar, and um, what's the name of the? Okay, because I my what's the name of the of the one who's keeping him alive? Uh oh, I know this. The scientist, Solon. 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 What? Solon. S O L O N. I think. Solon. Solon is keeping him alive, and um, on the on the island of sisters. What? Are, um. Anyway, the name of the planet. There are in immor- immortal women who are stuck. They're a cult, sort of. They're what? They're kind of a cult, a religion. Yeah, they're a cult. Um, the sister heard of Karn. Immortality. They're a cult of Karn. Yeah. Karn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you watch it uh, as well, Mary Jo? Or do you know it from from before? Uh, I've known a bit of it before. It's amazing. So, yeah. It's one of my favorite serials. <laughs> Keep going, Mesa. Oh uh, well, so we're going to bring we're going to bring Morbius back, but and 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 evil will take over the world once again. Yay! Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, and and it must be thwarted, and evil takes the form of of Frankenstein for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and and immortality is um, used up. I believe. Yeah, but at the end, uh, they get their flame uh, back and their juice of whatever planetary stuff, so they can keep being immortal. And they have like the most pathetic lives. They worship flames, 
and, yeah. <laughs> and spend all their time in a dingy planet that is a sargasso of space, right? That's the only connection, really, <laughs> is that the it starts off with an alien Ant-Man landing on the planet after his his ship has been broken up in the atmosphere, I guess. And, uh, and then Kondo, my favorite character, who is basically, he's an Igor type. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, his, his skull is too small to contain the massive brain of Morbius. Otherwise, he would have been chopped up for, uh, that purpose. But they took his hand. Solon stole his hand. hand. Oh, the revenge that happens later. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I really, I really feel for Kondo. <laughs> well, yes. you know what I'm talking about here. I well, he must. Have oh, muted sorry, himself. I uh, I had myself muted because I was uh, selfishly drinking some coffee. Um, but yeah, yeah, okay. I, I have no idea what you're talking about here because okay. I haven't seen this Doctor Who thing. But well, uh, <laughs> I'm familiar with like the Igor. Yes, he's the Igor trope. For sure. Yeah, yeah. As a child, I was really into checking out these books about Universal monster movies from the school library, and like going through and looking at the pictures. And yeah, Igor, great archetype. So it, it sounds like we're we're taking our time to uh, head Actually into talk about the story into yeah. the Sargasso. But before we do that, um, I mean, this is actually my method. You you sort of circle around the black hole. You circle around it as far, try and stay away from that black hole as much as you can. This is the, what the hashtag save for the podcast means, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you try and resist talking about it as long as you can because it's so important. Okay. So there is an, uh, another version of this story I found accidentally. It's on Smashwords and it's been reviewed on Goodreads. It's for some reason it's titles slightly different. It's Sargasso of Lost Starships Rehidden. Um, what? I yeah, saw that title. Is it a whole other story? So it, technically it is, although I don't think it's probably worth your time. Uh, it's by Pula Anderson. <laughs> and it's okay. one of these gender-flipped books. So basically somebody took the entire text and they just flipped the genders of all the characters. So instead of having our Earl and, you know, former, uh, I don't know, commander be mm-hmm. male, he's female. And, gender switch and Valduma <laughs> is a man, right? Valdumo. <laughs> Valdumo, maybe, yeah. Um, so is, is his slave still a man or is his slave a woman now? Uh, I think <laughs> he is a woman or female. Watcha. Um, Watcha, yeah. And if you, oh, there's an online reader, so uh, I'll just read the opening here. Uh, Basil Donovan was drunk again. She sat near the open door of the Golden Planet, boots on the table, chair tilted back, one arm resting on the broad shoulder of Woka, who sprawled, uh, Wocha, Wocha, who sprawled on the floor beside her, the other hand clutching a tankard of ale. The tunic was open above her stained gray shirt. <laughs> it slightly changes things, right? The, the battered yes. cap was askew on her close-cropped blonde hair, and her her insignia, the stars of a captain and the silver leaves of an earl of Ansa, were tarnished. There was a deepening flush over her pale, gaunt cheeks, and her eyes smoldered with an old rage. Looking out the, across the cobbled street, she could see one of the tall, half-timbered houses of Lansted. Uh, makes, makes me think of the Lansrad. 
Uh, it had somehow survived the space bombardment, though its neighbors were rubble. But the tile roof was clumsily patched, and there was oiled paper across the broken plastic of the windows. An anachronism looming over the great bulldozer, which was clearing the wreckage next door. The workmen, oh, sorry, the workwomen there were mostly ansons, big women in ragged clothes. But a, <laughs> but a well-dressed Terran was bossing the job. Donovan cursed wearily and lifted her tankard again. So it does change the story quite a bit, but to what purpose is my question? I'm I'm looking at Goodreads, I mean Smashwords, and I see there's half a dozen of these things where they basically gender-flipped Paul Anderson's stories. What? Why? I, 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 I think it's kind of interesting. It. It's kind of interesting, like but fun. why? It sounds fun. It Actually, fun. I think I might like that better. <laughs> it would have been good if they were like, if they're going to do a gender flip, if there's any sense in it. And first thing is, there's no, uh, there's no female Earl. If a female, yeah. there's no feminine form of Earl. The right. equivalent use is a countess. Right. So she shouldn't have been called the uh, the Earl of something. She should be called the countess. It's funny though. <laughs> it, 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 what it does is it brings to light sort of uh, preconceptions. So one of the things that is in the original is that when he is in the pretty much the very I don't know three scenes later, um, he is uh, confronted by the captain. What's her name? Uh, Helena. 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 Helena Jansky. Jansko Jansky. Right. right. So Helena um, says, call me sir. Right? Mm-hmm. Because she's uh, she's the captain. And they do that on Star Trek too, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, sir, even though it's a lady. Um, so it, 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 yeah, like the fact that there are work women in the street, uh, it doesn't radically change things but it sort of makes you sort of more aware of it if you're sort of not aware of it and i guess it's interesting but i just read the original <laughs> yeah i mean it seems like the point of it is just to provoke you a little bit yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not meant to be like okay we've replaced uh uh you know sargasso of lost starships with uh this new feminized version mm-hmm. or gender flipped version um but yeah, I mean, it does, uh, as the internet says, make you think, you know, like, oh, that's, think. I, I think it's an interesting literary technique that somebody's doing. Obviously, yeah, you know, it's they're using a machine to do it. Um, <laughs> we actually had this uh, discussion before with the uh, Pirates of Erzatz or the Pirates yes. of Zan. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in that case, it was fun and funny because... Uh, he's looking for a girl, right? <laughs> the main character. He he wants. He's got a particular girl in mind, right? Uh, whereas this one, it's sort of he. It's not looking for a girl. He gets a girl. It's it is a romance, right? It totally um, is. And and there's two women who are competing for his uh, affections, right? As well as you know, is he betraying his own people by uh, falling in love with this lady? And I, I do want to get to who's yeah, betraying yeah, yeah, what. And the way you say that is, it, is he be, is betraying his own people by falling in love with lady? You can apply that to both Helena exactly. and Hel- uh, Helena basically, as soon as he kisses her, <laughs> says, "That's it. I'm I'm quitting the service, and you're gonna raise children <laughs> on your planet." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that 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 shows polemics. Yeah, it's funny. Just, well, what what happened to her? Like, what happened to Helena to make her like that this kiss, way? Yo, pretty powerful. Yeah, his lips, his lips. <laughs> oh, I just think. 
she like so here's my here's my read of her she's got like um you know she's clearly looking for approval from somebody like like she's like messed up she joins the service gets more messed up and is just like oh this guy who's been like drunk in his cabin for weeks like and is like mean to me and like and he lies to me yeah, and it lies to me, was dirty when I met him, is actually trying to kill all of us. Uh, I want to have 12 kids with him, like, in his, like, yeah. fucked up holler planet, like, where they, like, build things out Holler's of that planet. still. Well, that's yeah. your that's your pulp mag, your pulp uh, holler planet. <laughs> holler planet yeah, I, from Planet Yeah, I, I couldn't I see what Helenus saw, saw in our protagonist, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Like, what? You have a whole galaxy of he's got a, he's got a really nice I, no, you, you need better that, that would feel yeah that's some of the things of like say that's what i just say that it's a re- paul anderson is a product of his generation thinking that just because he's the uh, he's the um central character of this of this novel that that's the only reason that these women would love him when in reality <laughs> you know i'll be swiping what Swiping him to the left on Tinder. <laughs> if he goes like, "Yeah, I'm drunk. The I'm an Earl. You didn't and I'm see how sexy." I've read a lot of Paul Anderson, as everybody knows, and this story is set in his um, his Technique. one of his two future histories, and this is the Galactic Empire part. Later on, as the, as the Empire falls down, he does come up with a character in a bunch of stories and novels called uh, Flandry. Flandry. And Flandry, at least, I can see why we would go for him because he's dashing. He's James Bond in space. I so I can see why the women. I can see why you could write women falling all over him. But Basil, what? So no. He's like alt right Twitter user. Like you know, he just posts about like, oh yeah, we could have won the war, smashed the MPs, or like, oh, drinking again today with my loyal slave who wouldn't know what to do if he were free. <laughs> like, yeah. like he's he's the condo of this story uh he's, he's, w- one of least, he's one of the least he's one of the least uh likable uh, appear uh, yeah a likable and uh <laughs> a, um, um appealing paul anderson protagonist i've ever read i like paul anderson stuff but i don't want to spend any so time here's him. here's uh, how he's, he's, go yeah. for it uh, how long did, did anybody know how long it took him to write this? Because it it read to me like he did it like overnight. Like I, okay, I would, I'm gonna write the story. Do I would bet done. that it t- took a couple of days at most. Yes. Yeah, like there's there's. I mean, I don't know how, how you can even wonder about this character because there's nothing to him. Uh, uh, is, is that true? That like I I thought so. I've listened to this story only twice, mm. but I, I feel like there's levels to it. I feel like oh, there is. Um, so I, I here's my him as a, as a hero. Like, oh, or, he's not a hero at or, all. He's or, or he, a, he's a Han Solo. He's a Han very, Solo figure. Um, he's very Star Warsy. It's that this whole thing reminded me of of Star Wars yeah. type. I oh think. yeah, and the yeah. setup. Yeah. The setup is straight out of Firefly, right? They yep. just lost the war. They're bitter about it. They don't like the Empire. Yeah. I mean, this could be if you changed, you know, a few of the characters around. It could have been an episode of of Firefly because. The Empire needs them. They because they they've been to that place, and you know uh, Alan Tudyk doesn't like it, but whatever, right? He's uh, there's actually a whole there's a lot of cast. Like uh, I like the Second in Command is a Japanese 
uh, officer. Takahashi. Takahashi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, Tetsuo Takashi. And, and yeah. the, the other thing to remember, uh, Mary Jo, you were saying, you know, he's a product of his time. I think you're also, you have to say he's a product of his market, right? So yeah. he's writing for Planet <laughs> Stories. The main readership of Planet Stories is male. It won't be, you know, 90% male, but it's going to be more male. Um, and, you know, the fact that he's kind of an asshole doesn't really matter because he's the reader in a certain sense. Yeah. And so when you do gender flip it, um, you know, choosing who the mate is going to be, well, what Valduma's problem is she's not actually physically human, right? She's not of the same species. She can't give him kids. And these are sort of the background assign, or, or I guess in the, if it's gender flipped, uh, I don't know. She can't impregnate him or whatever. <laughs> it's funnier when it's gender think, flipped. Yeah, it I is. It's Valduma, weird. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I, is more like you're the flavor of the month for a bit. And then when she gets tired of you, then yeah, that's when she's, she's going to kill you. That's what I, that's my assessment of her. As, yeah. Uh, but she, yeah. it's funny that she didn't kill him the first time. Right. Yeah. She let him I go. Think she had that she she has a purpose. I think she has a purpose of him or something. Maybe there is a little bit of a, of a of what we call equivalent of love or infatuation. Definitely. That's They've what, all that, fallen that under bonded, his spell. That right? bonded these um these two people. It's just that there's no I can't see any like this isn't the kind of relationship that would last anyway, even if Basil <laughs> chose, even if, minus, if there's no Helena Jansky, I don't think that's a relationship's going to last. And I think that one of them or both of them is going to die. That's the, uh, that's the ending of the relationship. Yeah, it, it, she's, <laughs> yeah. she's the evil one, right? It's, yeah. it's really interesting. It's like, uh, you know, he can choose the, the light side or the dark side. And if you, if you like Will and you dug deep into this story, um, you could say, like, uh, the fact that he, he ultimately sides with the empire that he disagrees with, um, it's like a betrayal of his previous ideals. On the other hand, maybe his previous ideals were, uh, subverted by the empire's argument or. Well, he's a triple traitor. We know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the very first scene, right? He's, he's saying, no, I can't help you to his people. I mean, I think that, uh, see, the reason that I think that uh, Basil Donovan is an interesting character, so I, I think I agree with everybody who's like, this guy's not a hero, he's like, not a good person, I like, I, he doesn't like, hold up the novel as a protagonist, like, mm -hmm. the novel happens to him, right? Like, he doesn't, yeah. like, he, he barely makes choices, every time he makes a choice, like, he's always like, I don't know what I've done. Like, mm -hmm. why am I kissing her? Like, mm -hmm. like, like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think he's interesting. Cause like, he's just like, like very obviously like deeply mentally ill. Right. <laughs> like he's, he's, I mean, he's got to bring PTSD. a modern diagnosis to it. Yeah. I mean, but I, I think he's like a depressed guy with PTSD. He definitely has some sort of yeah. trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And like that, that's why he's like an interesting character to me. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, it's totally, I think it is psychological realism that he's like going back to Valduma, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's his, uh, that's his abusive partner. He's going to go back to her, even though like she's treated him terrible. I mean, and 
like she physically abuses him when she comes and loves on him, right? Mm-hmm. Like she like mm-hmm. bites his lip and like yeah. yeah, it's kinky, Paul Anderson, but like <laughs> like that's not what's going on. It's about power, right? Yes. Like yeah, you know uh, when uh, when hamsters are together, sometimes one of the hamsters will like groom the other hamster too much, and they call it power. Yeah, like power grooming. Wow. Yeah, power grooming. Yeah, like uh, like and, and that's what that interaction is. It's Can not use some like of that myself. Oh, yeah, my hair like, is getting longer and longer, so I can't get a haircut. Yeah, I know it's uh, it, we're all making sacrifices, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, I, I I was I was into the element of this where if you actually pay it like it's hard to pay attention to what um, Basil Donovan is doing throughout the story because like he it's almost like he doesn't make decisions. Yeah, he, he it's true he doesn't. He's like, Why did I tell her I love her? Why did I kiss her? Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Plot, he, because he plot me. needs to happen. <laughs> because plot needs to happen. Well, and so, but he was so like hypnotized by her too. I, right? As soon as she calls, he comes. Yes. I I, I <laughs> this week I was working on a bunch of stuff and I came across this new amazing scan. Um uh it's it's uh just some random issue of amazing stories. And on the cover, there is a giant woman who's not wearing a shirt, although you can't see much because she's blocking it out by holding up this almost cowboy looking figure um, who's collapsed. And she's looking off into the distance. In the background, there's a starship just landed on her planet or whatever. And it's called A World He Never Made. And then I got me to thinking earlier this year, or maybe late last year, I found this other story called Science Stories, uh, from Science Stories, April 1954. And this, this cover has a elf looking girl in a forest, sort of knocked out. In the background, there's this crashed starship. Um, and then you got a couple French Canadian voyagers, uh, looking over her body. Uh, she's practically nude, but she also has elfin ears, which most people aren't noticing. So she's an alien, right? Uh, but she's tiny. She's like tiny. And the, uh, voyagers are huge. They're like giants. So this is actually, uh, sort of a reversed image. We've got a giantess holding a, a tiny doll sized regular human. And we've got, uh, two giant regular humans looking at this tiny uh elfin female and i was like this is really what the 1950s is all about right this is basically their whole thing is that women we came back from the war and all sorts of stuff was changed now we're friends with the germans right basically as soon as the war is over the germans are our friends the japanese not our friends on the other hand, you know, we are occupying their country and we'll buy their products and stuff like that. But the main thing that's different for us, you know, other than coming out of that war and coming back from our exotic location, this other planet that we visited, um, all the women are different. Did you notice that? All the women are different. Now they all have like jobs in factories and they're wearing pants and they want divorces. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they actually want things for themselves and oh, more no. importantly i need to drink more like it, 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 you if you watch uh i didn't watch much of it that uh a show about i don't know john ham with ads what was it called mad men mad, mad men. men right it, there's a lot of alcohol 
And if you watch any of the movies or the noir movies, they're always basically they're drinking all the time. And it's not like they're drinking beer. They're drinking hard alcohol. So there is a trauma of World War II, right? And it comes out not as like, I feel bad and I want to kill myself. It comes out as, uh, let's go drinking, right? And maybe that's the public face of it, but that's sort of what we're getting in this story too, right? He's, I see him actually as, uh, on the losing Nazi side, which is kind of crazy because they're not technological like the Nazis were in this, this story, but they're, they're definitely like American Civil War South or Nazis in the sense, well, first of all, he's a slaveholder, right? Although I noticed the empire hasn't ended that. Um, and then also, uh, they have like their own nativist policies that they want to do. And the empire's like, look, we're all one big team now. You're on Team America, right? Against the Soviets, whoever those guys in the, our right flank of the Earth Empire. And yeah, it's kind of weird that it's an empire and there's a, there is an actual emperor and this is the second one in this background. <laughs> But other than that, it's like love that info dump, right? Like right? so yeah. easy to miss. There's a lots of lots of little fun info dumps that are like setting up, you know, story elements that I guess make the story richer. And I, I think Paul Anderson does a really good job with that. And, and also tie, tie in with, because, like I said before, I mean, he's got a butt ton of stories set in this future, starting starting with the. The trick with the with the traders with uh, Van Ringe. Well, this is through. actually the first story in that series, Paul. I don't know. If is this is it the first story? Yeah, in, his in the technique. technique. Yeah, it is. Real chronologically. I did not realize. I'd have to. I didn't realize this was the first one he ever did. I mean that that's that's impressive because then that means he started filling filling up stuff uh, afterwards. Um, so that so yeah so that's basically it goes from the the traders then that. Civilization falls. He's very big into the whole Oswald Spengler rise and fall civilizations thing. Then that civilization falls. Then the empire rises up again. This story is set in that rising up again because the empire is expanding, grabbing things, bumping into things like the Sargasso. And that's then that empire starts crumbling. That's when you get Flandry trying to keep the empire together by any means he can because it's better than civilization going kaput. And then that. But again, eventually that empire falls and then starts a whole new – he never wrote much in that whole new cycle after it. But there's that, that rolling up and down through history. History is not a, an ascent of progress. It's a, it's a rolling sign curve. And so this is, this is on the upward bounds of the second of the, roll, of the upward trajectories. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause this in the recording for just for a second because I I I I can't think because of the breathing sound. So I think Mary Jo, that's your. It, it might, might. No, be Mary, I tried. I, I thought it was me. No, I thought it was me. It's, but I've, I've, I've been unmuting probably. my. I've been muting myself. That's Will probably. <laughs> okay, let me try hitting mute. Try breathing now. <laughs> yep, it was you. We're going to get you set Sorry up. Sorry about that. That's okay. We're going to get you set up. I'll, I'll tell you all the right equipment to get, and then you can be a real to- a real podcaster, not just a phone podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Mice has got the what, – what have you got, Mice? Uh, I've got a blue. Yeti? A Yeti? A Yeti. Good choice. Did you get the boom? No, I don't have the boom. Okay. Well, you're, you're not – 
high professional podcaster because, of course, <laughs> very few people can be. But uh, at, at least you got the main thing, which is a nice mic. So we'll, de- we'll yeah. get we got. I was when, well coached. When Will has a new income stream, we're going to get him set up. Sounds okay. Good. Yeah. Well, sorry about the breathing. No, um, it's all I'll right. To... You're allowed to breathe, but magnanimous of you. Uh, yeah. Sorry about <laughs> the true. sonic disruption. That's all right. Well, we can go back to our show now because now that you're aware okay. of it. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, where are we? So did you we all talk, get? A... I, was, I was talking about the second civilization. Yeah. Stories. No, I yeah. let you finish that, but I, I didn't hear anything. Yeah. Uh, but I also know about it, so it's okay. So did you all get a chance to see the those two covers? I just it's yeah. so striking yeah. to me. Like, uh, I mean, there's there's uh, remember the audience is mostly male, right? Um, and in the first picture, she's holding this. He looks like a cowboy. I, obviously, he's not a cowboy because the spaceship in the background. But I, I believe this to be her planet. I've not read this story. But I believe this to be her planet. Otherwise, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, unless he's the, she's the guy who, she's the lady who came in the spaceship. Um, but the thing is, is when you gender flip a story, right? Uh, you know, you make one of them a giant and one of them a tiny person. Um, and the whole point of that was like, I think this is physically embodied, right? The women are becoming more powerful. That's what that story means. Um, and it's sort of working on the psychology of the reader. It's like, yeah, I'll buy that issue. They see the cover and they, and the editor says, my readers will buy this issue, right? That'd be a good cover. Because they want to know what's going on. <laughs> Stories are a way of understanding what's going on, I think, right? And what's cool is I, I was talking yesterday on Twitter about how, you know, even though Planet Stories has a much, much shorter run than Astounding, I would, if you said you could only have one, Astounding or Planet Stories, uh, I would always choose Planet Stories. Even though there's so many great stories coming out of Astounding, I just love Planet Stories way more than I love Astounding, the magazine. And the reason is, Planet Stories are fun. Like, they, uh, there's a lot of good stories. You know, Philip K. Dick's published in there a number of times. There's that. But, you know, even a story like this, which is ultimately, it's not a classic of science fiction, is doing something and tells you a lot about the period, but also tells you a lot about the psychology of the period and the people who are dealing with all sorts of new stuff. So like the spaceships, right, are powered by atomics. This is 1950, It's technically it's, it's late 51 when this story comes out. Atomics are all in the news. They're, you know, just changed the world six years ago and they're going to change our world in the future. So the spaceships are powered by atomics. The planets were bombarded, right? His, his, uh, our main guy's planet was bombarded, uh, by the space, the, the runway. I don't know. The airport spaceport was not, yeah. they had to go to the secondary one because the main one was full of radiation, right? You look, he was looking out the window at the beginning of the story, and what's he see? All the windows are blasted out and replaced with, uh, oiled paper or yeah. oiled hide or whatever, uh, so that they could get light in there, but keep the bugs out. And that, that was a very nice little detail it's, showing it's like the world, aftermath of war. It's yeah. like seeing Berlin after World War II and the people still have to live there, right? So, uh, 
how is the occupation going to go, right? How is this all going to work out itself? That's the psychology of go- what's going on. And it's so clear to us looking at it, and if at least it's so clear to me, that it makes me really weirded about like what our stories are about right now, the stories that are being published right now. And I see sort of the psychology of the stories going on right now, but I can't understand it. Not the way I can understand the period here. Mm-hmm. You see, you see what I mean? This is the value of reading sort of a trashy planet stories story, because even though it does have a little bit of science in the background, that's not really the point. One of the, one of the points is like, uh, is it in Mary Jo? I think it, you put it, it was on the cover or it was in the intro, uh, maybe on the copyright page, the table of contents. It said, uh, she yeah. was the Lorelei of space. Yeah, the Lorelei of space. Right. And so this, this, mm-hmm. uh, Lorelei is kind of like a siren, um, out of. Yeah, that lures their men to their death. Right. Basically. Right. And yeah. she's the, she's the leader of a whole other empire, right? So there's the, the good empire of Earth, which we don't like also. And then there's this, this dark empire, the black empire, the, the black nebula, right? And, our main character is kind of ha- he has to choose. Uh, am I going to choose the good and wholesome uh, empire of Earth, even though I have some problems with it, or am I going to choose the dark empire, the one of bitterness and and I think that that's really deep. Am I wrong? No, no you're abs- you're absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I mean, look at from Paul Andrew's point of view. We have we have this proud planet which has been humbled by the empire. They want their independence. They want freedom eventually uh paul anderson actually would explore these themes in a in a classic short story called no truce with kings and yet here's he so he's left with the hobson choice either i mean independence is not an option he can't be free so do you choose the tyranny of inhuman aliens who just want to treat you as toys and pets and slaves or do you choose or the tyranny of a human empire and I, the, our protagonist makes his choice mm-hmm. and it, so, 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 I mean, this, the, I mean, this, the whole idea of freedom and the relationship of people to their government is something that Paul Anderson explored in this series. He also explores it in different ways in the Technic Civilization stories, where it's much more, um, m- much less monarchical, much more um, world world coming together in sort of unity. Not quite communism, so much, but more like communitarianism is like we all have to work together it's a he talks about and and it's evidenced by the crew right with the japanese crew member and yes the pride that they have in the army that's marching on this planet right that they're all humans they're all humans they're all together it's it it, it, it's it's a it's a multi it's a it's a multi-racial i mean it's a pan-racial sort of sort of uh world that is coming to reconquer the stars and bring it all together under. And woke is really fun. I mean, I mean, all of this we, we, and woke is really fun. I really like. He's like the Wula of this story from, from uh, Mars, uh, the first Mars book, right? Under the moons of Mars or whatever it's called. Yes, uh, I thought Wula was his dog, though. Yeah, yeah but the, yeah. he's a he's essentially a dog that can drink beer. Yeah, I mean, so. Pet, he he reminded me of a talking. mashup of two H. Ryder Hagger characters. Yeah, uh, they're both like like native friends of Alan Quartermain. Right, 
Right. Um, one is uh, Alan Quartermain's like koi koi servant uh, named Hans, who like it's like every racial stereotype you can have against koi koi people. Uh, koi koi people are the like uh, they were like herders in southern Africa and like were you know taken over pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get called hot and tots, but that's like is or isn't a racial slur. Mm. Um, uh, and then uh, so like he's got I mean he's like very like servile he likes to drink beer and just does whatever mm-hmm. this idiot tells him to do yeah yeah uh and then on the other hand like you have like umslopagas who was uh this like zulu prince like you know in canon secretly the son of shaka zulu uh who you know like fights very nobly to the death uh with an axe in his first appearance at a story mm-hmm. uh i just uh the whole like watcha thing like uh i felt like uh paul anderson like uh, really, uh, really liked the idea of having a racial sidekick, you know, mm-hmm. it was just like, I want my own like Tonto or yeah. Slopagas. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, it's unsavory to me that I'll just leave it at that. I don't need to like belabor the point. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I'm, I, I keep thinking of Solomon Kane has, uh, a sidekick, uh, priest out of Africa who I really, really like as well. Um, he basically, I'm trying to remember the story, but basically he, he's like a wizard and Solomon Kane's like, I'm not down with all your, your devilish stuff. On the other hand, you're really handy. <laughs> right. So like there is this, um, I'm going to make uh, Tonto, right? I'm going to make friends with the, the native people that I just, my people just finished slaughtering. Um, but the thing is, is, is that always like, in reading, uh, I, I was doing the show notes for She, and uh, somebody pointed out, probably Trish, I don't know, somebody pointed out to me that, uh, yeah, there is there is some racism in the book. I'm, I was making the argument that there wasn't. Um, yeah, that was Trish. Yeah, probably, because there was some stuff against Irish, and uh, it's just some random, you know, obvious stuff. And I guess that, that could be in here, but the thing... I was focused on was not that that this slave well he's not he's not fully sentient or something he was reading children's books that was like so awesome like Wula's awesome because he's a dog right and he's loyal yeah, and he's yeah. fun right we like hanging he's out got with Wula eight legs. right and but he's an alien but he's he's a dog essentially and we love dogs dogs are lovely um and the relationship we have to them is not equal right um but in this no. case he's like he's like a i don't know a giant monstrous child in the sense that he's super loyal right uh, well, i guess that's more like a dog uh, he's 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 reading children's books right he's mouthing the words he likes beer he's kind of simple he's he's like um uh, I was noticing, I watched Captain America's first movie. I think it's called The First Avenger. And there's a bunch of, if Will should know this, uh, there's a bunch of uh, background characters in, I don't know, the army that aren't, you know, Bucky. Um, and one of them, he's got like a, a bowler hat with sergeant stripes on it. Dum Dum Dugan. Dum Dum Yeah, yeah, the Howling Commandos. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was just reading the Howling Commandos. He's in there. And you know, they sort of lifted him and shoved him into the into Bucky's role, I guess, for the part when and a bunch of other characters who were, you know, old Marvel 
characters, and they are racialized, right? In that original Nick Fury, there's the Irishman, and there's the uh, they are a bunch of different things. And I really loved reading Marvel comics when they put in racialized characters because they're not doing it out of uh, kind of. At least I didn't feel I've never felt right. They've never been doing it out of a kind of like tokenism or uh, um, I don't know. It's not great. it's not mean. It's it's actually inclusive and well, saying, thought, look, well, they're know, heroes, too. They're cool, I too. Members, I think members of those communities might feel differently, especially when stereotypes. Oh, look, he's, he gets drunk all the time. Get get overemphasized in in the stories that. Members of those communities might not feel like they're being included. They're being well, yeah, made but fun like, of. there's like, but uh, in Marvel comics, I don't think that that happens. So like, they have uh, like Western, like there's and DC comics too, right? There's uh, wh- who's the uh, guy with the scarred face from the <laughs> Jonah Hex? Jonah Hex, right? Hex. So he's sort of a Southern asshole, right? But they have like tons of other, like they have native. Uh, comics that don't do very well because I guess the audience isn't big enough. Um, where they, you know, they his name's Scalp Hunter, right? And you think, but he's oh, also a white guy. Okay, but Scalp Hunter uh, is a is a white guy. You know, I, I hear you, but there are other ones that are like they are racialized and they, you know, they come up and again, but they don't generally carry their own issue. Um, so like Power Man is famous because he got turned into a TV show, right? Um, and then there's Shang-Chi, the, the white, uh, kung fu guy. But then, oh no, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, no, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi is the Chinese is, one, right? Yeah, yeah, he's Fu Manchu's son. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Fu Manchu is the hero. But the yeah. thing is, is, uh, 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 I'm willing to buy that. Uh, when Paul, when, when, when you're saying, Paul, peoples of those communities might blah, blah, blah. I always think, like, who's, t- who's saying that? Who's making that decision? Who's making what decision? That they don't like it? I mean, yeah. um, people that's who ass- see people. Who, I, I that's mean, an I, assumption. I, I've seen it from people of those communities who aren't happy by their rep- by that but representation. By picking one person negative. and saying this person doesn't like it, I think that's making an assumption that is it's like a it's a power dynamic. I didn't, I, so I, I didn't think say that. I always think like if it's a low culture thing, like it's coming up from low culture and as in comic books uh, or pulp magazines, um, they are reflecting the the low cultures, whoever they are. Whereas if it's coming from a high culture thing, like uh, I'm the editor of this magazine and this is uh, like not the way... Stan Lee did it, right? I'm, I'm sure there are issues with Stan Lee. But Stan Lee just was enthusiastic for stuff and wanted to create lots of, lots of marketing, right? He's just, he's not like doing it top down. He does have some values, right? So I'm, I'm like, who, who shaped this story? Who made this story the way it is? Obviously, Poole Anderson had a hell of a lot to do with it, right? But the guy who painted the cover, he had something to do with it. And the guy who bought it, for this magazine, he had something to do with it. And the audience, the readers who wrote in letters and who are buying the issues, they have a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. We don't know all of the things that go into it, but we do know this is a good story or that's a bad story. And like, so 
is there a racial element to this this uh, slave creature? I don't, I think I don't know. That, that I don't see. That I, I don't know. Think. He's mm-hmm. uh, the, so. in the in the great intro of interior art. Um, you see uh, Helena riding him into battle. Right. It's a great image. I like. Wow, that looks just like amazing. And in fact. That's why I wanted to read this story is I was looking at the cover art and I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> and then, you know, she's, uh, by the way, that scene also kind of happens in the story. I mean, I don't think there's space helmets, but the, uh, uh, when I was talking about, and when I'm making these PDFs, I have to say, like, is this cover representative of one of the stories? Cause I want to include it if it is, but I've read all the stories, right? So I have to sort of like scour. Around and if you look closely in the bottom left-hand corner, there's a whole bunch of spaceships that are crashed, and this story has crashed spaceships, right? So this is the story, and that's Helena on the cover. I don't think she's blonde, is she? No, no I, I think no. she's dark-haired. She's, right, she's dark-haired, and the other one is a redhead. Right, yeah. And, yeah. and so yeah, the question is, why is she blonde on the cover? And I actually think the answer is pretty funny. Um, I don't know if you guys. You probably don't follow my Twitter that closely, but basically somebody complimented uh, uh, this cover and said, that's uh, an amazing cover. And it says something very distinctive about this story. And I'm like, that's so funny that you say that because the artist, Alan Anderson, used this pose <laughs> in three other, in two other covers as well. Um, the same lady, right? She's, she's got, sometimes she's got a sea chest under her arm. Sometimes that hand up above her head is holding a whip. Right. And in those two other covers, she's black haired. I think he thought maybe what happened is people will notice if I keep using it over and over again. So he changed it up. Right. And so the fact that she's blonde on the cover, unlike in the story, and yet our hero uh, viewpoint character is actually the blonde one is kind of funny. And then when you look in interior, um, by a different artist. Our hero is, I think, in the foreground on the left. Um, and then, uh, Woka is, uh, there, huge, with an axe in his hand, left hand. Um, and Helena is riding him into the battle. Like, she's on his horse. And that's kind of what I think he is. He's kind of like a horse dog talking companion, cool Wula character. And he isn't really racialized as an Italian or something like that. Yeah. It's just that from what I remember of reading it, they describe Wulcher as um, looks like an ape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, humanoid, humanoid, uh, partly humanoid ape kind of uh, physique. Like I'm imagining sort of like uh, uh, what do you call that? A gorilla? A gorilla, yeah, yeah. I, I was like imagine a, he was looking like that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the picture here makes him seem even bigger than I thought he was, but it makes sense if he's if he's being ridden that he'd be pretty big. And but they also said he he would eat six times as much as a regular crew member, right? So right. yeah, because it's the, the whole thing like like why we why why we have these guys eating so much? He says that he's but and. Um, and then our hero says, "Well, he's that valuable, and he, well, he turns out to be." So that, but, but like, a, a police pull in and see, recognizes, yeah, that something at large would eat 
not just double, but much more than a, than a regular person. I mean, I, it was nice little detail biology about how much larger creatures actually eat in a day. Dum Dum Dugan is he's not technically as dumb as he sounds by the name, right? He's a uh, either a corporal or a sergeant, um, but he isn't a Nick Fury. He isn't our main viewpoint character. But uh, what I liked about reading those comics, where you've got sort of a I mean, this is in World War Two. It was, you know, segregated service, right? Um, the most offensive thing in this whole story to me, Will and Paul, the yeah. most offensive thing is that he's a, an earl, and that people yeah. are like it's the class stuff, not the well, racial the stuff. I, I, well, the, those ideas are related, though, right? Like, it's related. all about the blood. She's got peasant blood. I've got good blood. That's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the stuff. class stuff is racial. And that's a, and the, the whole thing was like, yeah, I can trace my blood back forever. What can you like to your father or like your whatever like, yeah. that you'd have no idea. But I think that was the whole thing about him. So this Earl, he's dragged into the into the, the pit of of black nebula and and because he's an earl, like because he's got this blood and this history of of that comes before him, bigger than himself, he's able to push through all that and choose the right thing, even though it's not like the best right. Mm-hmm. It's the best right he can do because of who he is. Yeah, it, it he he's definitely not the ideal person <laughs> on the other hand, no one in this story is he doesn't really do anything right he's he's just the viewpoint for this world is what i feel like i mean the interesting characters are not everybody but him basically um he's the he's the viewpoint characters what i think of it as. yeah yeah I, I mean he never did but i would have loved to see more stories about uh Captain Jansky and her adventures running around the Empire in the spaceships. Like, well, but, I mean, she stops though. There is no adventure. As soon as somebody kisses her, she's off her horse. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah I, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I, I know. But before before she before she meets uh this, this, this Palooka, she had adventures. She had to. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there is a. Uh, I think it's the it's the title. It's the title of Earl of uh, whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Off her horse. Yeah, I'm gonna marry you, even though you know I'm gonna throw away my uh, my years of training uh, of uh, climbing of the uh, climbing the ranks. Yeah, and all of a sudden, yeah, this um, guy who just said that, yeah, I'm an earl. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you're mine now. That's right. <laughs> okay. I, I, she <laughs> she does try and it. swear off of him for a minute, right? I mean, it's not like she says, "What am I doing?" She pulls away, um, and. They're both changed by the event. But I, I also think, like, this is kind of the wish fulfillment of men coming back from World War II, right? They come back. They're, they're, their girls have been in the factories. They're independent. They don't technically need – they're not as dependent. I mean, you know, uh, I think a lot of times today people are really worried about race when they should be worried more about class. But no matter what period of time we're in. Whether it be a thousand years ago or a thousand years from now, they should really always be concerned with gender because people are different. Like fundamentally, men and women have slightly different. I mean, we're very similar, but we have fundamentally different drives within us. Uh, one of us can produce babies out of our bod- bodies. The other one doesn't have that as an option, right? 
So in this story, we've got two uh, strong female characters. One of them cannot produce babies, and she wants to go and conquer the universe. The other one can produce babies, and she wants to go play house. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> That's really interesting. Go play house on the mud planet. Like go it's play not house a mud planet. It's it's a farm planet, right? I mean, it it's a might mud have been bombed. I like those. it. Might have been bombed into mud, but you know they they were a farming community, right? There's and like they don't have an engine for the town. They're like, please, well, boss, get us an engine for the town. Yeah, but they they just uh, I see it more as like Berlin after World War Two. You know, like they they just everything's destroyed. But, but 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 I get this feeling that I mean that it was already from a point of technological inferiority to the Empire, sure, and they got they, bombed. Into but the they stone. did have spaceships, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But but they were much smaller. Right, right. Because because they lost some of them in the Sargasso. But I think that but I get the feeling that that they were a lower tech level to use yeah, the traveler. The because empires, we, the you know, the, the just showing up. The tra- and if yeah, you the, think the, about- the empires got bigger, better, and. If you think about, like, this is a politics story, right? Um, I think Will and I were discussing on direct message or something about World War One, and oh, maybe it wasn't Will. Somebody, I said, yeah, England and France are the bad guys in World War One. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we were having this conversation. We were? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, is Germans aren't uh wholly unresponsible austro-hungarian empire i'm not a fan right <laughs> there's a bunch of things that went wrong you know a lot of things that went wrong but ultimately the bad guy is wilson <laughs> and the thing yeah. is is the reason all of this happened is kind of the coincidence of germany not being a country unified country until the 19th century basically it was a whole bunch of separate tiny little nations just like our little planet here. And so when the United States rolls in, and that's how I see the empire here, which is pretty funny because they don't call themselves an empire yet. They will eventually, I figure. <laughs> but they are an empire, right? When the United States in, rolls in. the 19th in, century, we did. We did in kinda, the 19th yeah. century think of ourselves in those terms. Like, Imperial uh, definitely. I mean, but you didn't say it's a colony, right? You said it was a territory. Right? You got a bunch of or, or weasel words. We were we were of this continent in a way that like made it totally natural to colonize yeah. like the entire continent. But, uh, but what about fact, the Philippines, no. though? <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, no, we kept going. Yeah, I mean it's, it's or, or 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 the tragedy of Hawaii and, and us Cuba overthrowing and, a oh, oh throw, overthrowing a king and yeah. basically causing a coup and yeah annexing Hawaii. I have friends who live in Hawaii who yeah have illuminated me to some of the bad things we did there some it's it's a it's an ongoing process man <laughs> i mean it's also a nice place to visit but uh yeah so the thing is is i i think that like this is what's going on in the background so the reason this story feels so rich and deep is because anderson as usual is drawing not from you know, some speculations about what might be going on on another planet somewhere, but rather he's drawing on the history of European colonialism, the current situation, and he throws in what he knows about uh, science, which is, you know, a lot. There's actually quite a bit about uh, nebulas and, you know, the fact that this star is a, I think he said it was a red dwarf. No, maybe it was a white dwarf at the center of this nebula. 
Um, and the fact that their planet hasn't fully collapsed down into the stars because there's a, uh, an area relatively free of dust, right? And it's like, he actually is pretty good. He, he mentions other galaxies. There's a kind of Lovecraftian, uh, paragraph somewhere, I don't know, about a third of the way in where he's, he's just contemplating the deep, the depths of space. And, yeah. and he's, he's saying, you know, that it's all meaningless. And the only thing we can do is sort of huddle around the fires and not think about it. <laughs> Basically, I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's the, the, t- the takeaway. And, all of this is in the, is the stew out of which this meal has been made. And that's why it feels super rich. And even though it, Mary Jo, it's like two hours, but it doesn't feel like two hours, does it? Feels like ages. <laughs> it, uh, well, but yeah. It's like ages. That question at the end of one. No, so, so- it, it was, it, it's still fun, like, um, like reading it. I don't, I don't know how long it took me to um to do it. I think it took me like two days to uh, record wow. it. Yeah. yeah, and then edit it up and make mm. it all, put it all together. Yeah, uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> it was really great. It um, is. So, 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 just, uh, just, I know you haven't read a ton of Paul Anderson because I'm trying to introduce you to it as well as to Scott and to uh, and to Will. Have you read the Queen of Air and Darkness yet? Yeah, I have years ago. Okay, because I was thinking of that story in this as well. The whole idea of incomprehensible aliens on a planet hidden from humanity, but affecting humanity and trying to deal with it. I believe that one won a one a Nebula, mm-hmm. or maybe it was a Hugh. I can't remember offhand. But I kept thinking of that. I was thinking of this like, okay, so he took. So he refined those ideas eventually to uh, create his planet of Merkham and the Queen of Air Doctors, which is not set in any of his future histories. He just decided to go straight for the planet rather than having having all the space background. And and of course, we can also think of the Broken Sword and thinking these as basically space elves and mm-hmm. the inhumanness of the elves in the Broken Sword yes. is very s- similar to – what we get here with, because it's, it's especially, especially not, uh, not because of, uh, not because, not, be, not because of, uh, what's her name, but because of, because he, because he, he even talks about, uh, uh, what, uh, what, the, 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 the one alien that he's had a long, uh, almost like comradeship with that he winds up fighting in, uh, in the end. So he, he, he talks yeah, about the, I remember the, that point. Right hand guy. Yeah. He talks. He talks about. Yeah, he talks about the regrets that he has in having to face this guy because he's basically been a comrade in arms when he was stuck on this planet the last time. It's like that's a nice little detail. There's it's tons like, of just details have... like that. The Greenies, remember who they they had a war with and now made peace with. They're mentioned that the long tailed Greenies, where yeah. there was a couple of them wandering around the town that he's sitting out, you know, staring at while he drinks his beer. Um, the the fact that you know they were once enemies and now are friends they this this planet that was once you know against the empire is now you know being shanghaied into service with the empire uh, you know scotland once shanghai once, is the right word too yeah, exactly i mean he's he's blackmailed into it essentially right if you don't do this you and your people are going to be in trouble yeah. Um, and then you can see why his betrayal, uh, you know, his plan to, I guess it's not really a plan, but he basically doesn't want to tell them information. And then they, she threatens, we could pull this out of your brain using this machine. And he says, yeah, but that'll leave me 
blanked out for when you actually arrive there, right? They have this sort of back and forth, but the fact that he drinks himself into a stupor for most of the trip, uh, it's almost like we don't need that part of the trip, you know, <laughs> like as a view reader of the story, we can just fast forward, right? Cause that's not important. The shipboard stuff. This is planet stories, my friend, not spaceship <laughs> stories. Right, we get from, go from one planet to another, <laughs> yeah. um, and and that's fine. I think I th- I mean think about how cool it is, Paul. Think about yeah. how cool it is that this is a story that allows you to have a, a sword battle and a spear battle because of technical science fictional reasons, right? Yeah, it it, 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 we've <laughs> we've discussed we've discussed sword and planet, and I've mentioned I've mentioned. Uh, else Greg the Camp's Viagens into Planetaria stories and stuff. It's it's in that same sort of vein. It's it's, it's sword and planet. It, it it's a genre that a couple people have tried to write in the last few years, but it doesn't quite but they, the, no, no the one's, excuse no one's got here the is they they can control bullets, right? They can project their voice through ventriloquism, except it's it's real, right? They have a psychic yeah. energy, psych- and that energy comes yeah, the psych- from their own real. bodies or harnessed somehow through instinctually through the the planet's own energy services or whatever. And, the continuous um, scale distribution of matter, energy, and space-time. See? It sounds yeah. what's like the possible. What's the name of these aliens again? I don't know. Asnorians or as, as yeah, that sounds, yes, that Asnarians. sounds right. Okay, so did you all pick up the like really interesting like uh, his like theorizing on their like racial intelligence or whatever? Mm, I thought was like mm-hmm. very. He said good. they're generally smarter than us, but not good at understanding uh, like uh, how to make stuff and uh, yeah. how to run that, stuff. Is, or, or they lost it, like they got so bored of being alive. Yeah, so th- that's another thing. They're backwater because they've been sort of fighting amongst themselves. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we have these decadent people. Mm-hmm. He says that they don't quote have the brain for chemistry or physics. Mm-hmm. They're smarter than humans, but uh, you know, not in like ways that are important to humans. Right. So, like, is like is Paul Anderson saying that these people are like his idea of women? Mm. I don't. Oh. Think I just think that they're the kind of like. I think you can you can think of them like sort of. They are smart if they're using their brain, but they don't have the patience mm-hmm. to acquire the the the, just, uh, the knowledge that they needed to advance their. The, they don't. Yeah. They don't have the patience. They make. They might say that yeah, they are very smart, but they don't have the patience mm-hmm. to, you know, to persevere like develop these things. They want an instant success of uh, of what they do, and their crutch, right? Their their crutch is so important to them, right? The fact that they can manipulate yeah. matter at a distance, right? Yeah. Is yeah. is the, sort the, of it's a it's harmed their development in a, yeah. what it what does. we but, yeah. like. This is this is the thing about psychic powers, right? They're not telepathic, right? But they are ki- t- psychokinetic, so they can move stuff around. If you uh, are like me and you're not like really good at throwing baseballs, you probably don't spend a lot of time working on throwing baseballs. You spend a lot of time doing the stuff you're better at, right? These guys, yeah. they're all predetermined like they're really good at baseball, <laughs> right? So they don't spend right. a lot of time in chemistry. Well, right, but I th- think th- 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 go ahead. Sorry. 
they got too big for their britches. Like they got to this pinnacle and then they went, oh, okay. And stopped. But they can, from- they can reach all like they, and they're kind of like Vikings too. Cause they go and Dane all the neighbors. Right. Yeah. But it, yep. It, it says is. they haven't done anything new for 10,000 years yes. and their creativity is withered. Like they just, yeah. they just, yeah, which is the whole yeah, diminishing elves thing. And, and, but, yeah. and that also yeah. is contrasted with the Earth Empire, which is expanding, expanding. And we're going to, you know, he expanding says you're going to send yeah. all your people and wreck my mud planet. He doesn't say mud planet, but he says you're going to send all your, your, col- your people here and make it all busy and annoying. And those are the choices that this story gives us. You can be uh, insular and, you know, not expand your empire and make a make a mistake or you can expand your empire basically the choice is you can have children or then you can wither away your choice (laughs) right right there is no stasis you grow or die that's Um, right so 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 there's an argument in some fantasy circles about magic and technology and how and i believe it was victoria strauss who wrote a um, a couple of novels exploring that actual actuality. Like w- the reason why in magic world, imagination world technology isn't isn't uh, is kind of primitive and medieval is because no one bothers to develop anything, right? Because well, you got magic, so why do you need to build develop a, a steam engine or anything like mm. that? And it's the argument is kind of here. Like yeah, they don't need to go for chemistry or physics. They got they got their psychic powers. They can go teleport themselves to a mud planet, steal people and stuff and come back. So why do they need to go? Why do they need to build starships? They don't need that. It's, it's, it's an, I mean, it's a kind of facile argument. I kind of like the ideas when you actually combine magic and technology in interesting ways and try to develop both. But there is an argument that high magic worlds are ones where technology just doesn't progress because magic is easier and doesn't require so much knowledge or just, it's just a matter of, Oh, I will snap my fingers and do this. Why do I need to spend 30 years to learn how to build, yeah, build, a, build, right. build a machine exactly. gun? Exactly. Need a exactly. Basically. Yeah, exactly. That's why their power, their connected, their psychokinetic power sort of like that, that spoiled them in spoiled a bit them, yeah. because it's like, why would I have to wait when with my, uh, with my powers, I could um, get things done quickly quickly Mm -hmm. so instead of like why would we need to um spend years of like experimenting and learning to develop a technology when we can just like bring down bring down the um several lure several spaceships and get people to bring us out of here right at the same go ahead finish yeah, I was just like thinking that's how they that's their mentality of like they want things done right here, right now. They don't have the patience. That's the uh, disadvantage of their of their um of their you know, of their race and which somehow explains why their their planet is so desolate, like it's it's crumbling. Because they don't have the patience of like, okay, we need to uh, preserve our place because the place is crumbling. It needs updating. No, we're just gonna need some. We're just gonna get to keep getting some people, luring people in to give us what we want. Mm-hmm. So and that's just, just how my. 
Things yeah, like and, and Jesse, this reminds me of the world of Nippon's The Magic Goes Away. What's, I mean, human society mm-hmm. is not going to progress and learn technology until mana runs down to the point where you don't have wizards or anything anymore. Mm-hmm. People are forced to do things better. I That's mean, you'll have the floating castles, and you'll have the floating castles as the wizards start dying and magic starts drying up. And yeah, and uh, you, you think about you, like you need to build better ways. Uh, I mean, I was thinking about why humans are so weird compared to other animals. Like, you know, spend time around birds and dogs and you know mice, and they all they basically they don't they don't they're just animals, right? And I was thinking, well, why are we so different from them? Because we are animals, too. And uh, I, I sort of disdain that part. You know, I mean, I it's kind of silly, but I do because I am an animal, right? You but disdain as, your animal. I do, generally. Yeah, I mean, it's like, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> why don't I, I just want to spend time thinking about stuff and understanding things. But that's actually kind of what makes humans different from other animals is – we are, I mean, it's what they say about the curious monkey, right? Uh, humans are curious monkeys, and that is kind of right, but I think it's actually, we're more like the meta animal. We're the animal that says, that's a funny animal, <laughs> right? Rather than, that's a threat, or that's food, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the animal that says, that animal has really big ears. I bet I could make a tent out of that. <laughs> Right? <laughs> or that animal has very white long tusks. Those would be really good for making tents. <laughs> and then when you have that kid, right? It's it probably probably because we're mammals and we raise our babies, right? Rather than uh, snakes that just lay them and walk away or slither off, right? Uh-huh. Um, we sort of pass on the knowledge. I feel like the 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 problem with uh, uh, Woka or Awacha <laughs> and uh, and these these other aliens is that they they're like more like whales or at least the other aliens are more like whales and that they don't have the hands right they aren't right. the curious monkeys who are shelving things and collecting things and arranging things they are like I have the power to do this to you ha 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 ha. And the humans are the curious monkeys. They don't have these psychic powers. They don't have, they have spaceships. And those were made by engineers who took other engineers' ideas and tweaked them. And then this guy discovered that thing. And now that lady's uh, able to, you know, press this button and all these things happen. And it's a, it's, it makes, reminds me of Minecraft. Um, one of my friends was telling me yesterday that they just did a new game, like, Inside Minecraft, you can like build things, right? So one of the, uh, uh, it's so cool. One of the things they build is like computers inside of Minecraft. And then if you have a computer inside of Minecraft, you can run programs inside of Minecraft on these computers. And what do they do? Other games, right? So you can do like make a first person shooter style game inside of a game using, you know, all the elements that are there. Uh, why is Minecraft so popular? It's it's because it's like Lego. It isn't a you need to do this. You need to answer these questions. It, it isn't like a first person uh, story. It's a sandbox. It's a survival simulator. It's a world that you can make anything you want. And what do people do? They make stuff. 
They make ideas, and then other people see those videos, and they con- this is what I tell my students, you know. If you see somebody else's really beautiful sentence, you can break that down by taking it apart and putting it back together, and now it's your own sentence. And then you do that with a whole bunch of different sentences, and then that's your essay. <laughs> you don't actually have to, like, wholly gather it from the clouds. What you do is you say, well, this is an interesting thought. Um, if I copied that down, that'd be photocopying. You're not allowed to do that. But what you can do is take those ideas and cite them <laughs> and write them down in your own words, add your own thoughts to it. And by own thoughts, I mean, you know, a little bit of extra stuff. So I think that's kind of what, you know, why Watcha is the way he is. He's, he's kind of like relying on his brute strength, right? And so he's, he's, he's into kids books and he really likes beer. <laughs> um, he's kind of like a kid himself, right? But, yeah, he, he's sort of also a dog or a horse, right? He's not, even though he's got hands in the picture, I get the sense that they're not fine manipulator hands. He's making watches, right? He's not making uh, pianos. He's not coming up with new instruments. And that's kind of weird and kind of cool that all of this stuff is in this story. And it's it's it doesn't say, this is a story about gender, <laughs> This is a story about World War II. It just says, here's a story. Check it out. And also all this magic stuff that is actually science, right? I mean, it's not really science, but it's, um, it's done in the science, in the science, uh, in the sense that it's, there's a logical explanation for it, even if that is false. You know what kind of science it is, Jesse? What kind of science? Oh, super science. Exactly. That's exactly what kind of science it is. <laughs> well, generally, super science has giant machines. So this does have that, but we are focused on the characters who live in those giant machines rather than. But yeah. Well, but I, I mean, but I mean, also, even just like the casual FTL, right? Yes. Like, like it's just, we're going to take this spaceship very quickly to this nebula. You just drink yourself and then you don't know, you won't be there to have the explanation for how the FTL works. <laughs> yeah, and, and all of a sudden there'll be these voices echoing like like mother can I have his skull yes. like Oh, that's great stuff, right? I I I mean the the Lorelei myth is something I don't I'm not as familiar with it as I should be. It's basically a, like a northern european version of the sirens from the Odyssey yeah. except it's one lady, <laughs> right? And and she's she's kind of cursed um, there's a whole backstory with how she got that way, but uh, yeah, I feel sorry for for the people in the Black Nebula. Say, you know, they didn't choose to be that way. That's just the way they were. That's the way that nature made them. <laughs> <laughs> Na- Poor guys. Nature just made Valduma an immortal child. That's right. <laughs> Con- condemned to uh, love this this Earl from a. Another planet, never to have that consummated. Yeah, another species. Absolutely. Do you think she loved him? In the way that she could. Dark. I don't think so. Well, I agree with my. I think there's fascination. She was used. She was playing with him. She didn't kill him. Kill him the first time. She didn't kill him, no, but she didn't love him. She just, she tossed her, him to bring him back. That's the second her way, time she wasn't going to keep him. That's her way of loving. 
right? I mean, talking from experience. It, huh? I I I keep sh- I keep showing every time I go up to the compost heap with my my mom's dog, right? She gets very excited. It's the most important part of her day, and I open the compost heap container and I put in the contents, and then a mouse will jump out, and she grabs it and she chews it and she crunches it and she's so happy. I mean, that's how she loves. Right? That's <laughs> that's how she loves that mouse. Right? And that's kind of, you know, it's the way you, you got to love cats even though they are killers. Right? It's a good thing we're not tiny cuz we would be so dead. I mean, mm-hmm. evidenced by lions and tigers, right? Well, she wants to go out and find mouse after mouse after mouse in of, the universe. She doesn't course. need him. I mean, she that's that's sort of our curse, right? There. That's what I'm saying is that's the animal nature of humans is that we, we, we're acquisitive and we need to go out there and fuck up other people's lives to make our own better, to enrich ourselves on the backs of, of those. And, and it's it's like pathetic. But I don't blame my mom's dog for it because she's a dog, Right. Uh, if, if you ran up to the compost heap <laughs> and jumped in there and grabbed the mouse and started chewing on it, I'd be saying, come on now, act like a human. <laughs> this is not right. Uh, but if you go into the forest with a rifle or a spear and you, you get it, uh, I, I wouldn't be a mouse, I guess a capybara or something, <laughs> something a little bigger. And then you roast it and then you cook it. I'm down with that. And yet I also see that that's kind of silly too. So. You feel sorry for these all-powerful, side-bending maniacs because that's they're, their nature. They're cursed, right? They, <laughs> they're cursed by their own situation. Okay. Doomed. Yeah, they're doomed. Yeah, they're doomed. They'll do my doomed. Yeah. They're trapped by those situations. It's not even cursed. It's like, yeah, it's like their, bi- their biology and yeah. their power. Yeah, I mean, that's them. what I mean by cursed. It, you know, it's like... It's unfortunate. That's you know everybody's a prisoner of their own genetics, their own brain, their you know their own situation, their own desire to move to a mud planet and have twelve children uh, <laughs> to like. Well, like... I mean that's the funny part, right? <laughs> is that she she is giving into, but the way it happens, it's biological, right? She submits to the biological urge to to uh, kiss that dude. Scruffy, I, I think it's more. Dude. I think there's culture involved with her. I don't know. I mean, like, I just, uh, I feel like there's more going on with her than we realize. Like all of uh, Basil's traumas mm. out on the page. Yeah, right. You're like, exactly right. Uh, yeah, I think that. I, I think that um, uh, if we're going to like apply psychological realism to her, which we don't have to. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 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 like we we truly don't have to. I'm not saying that Paul Anderson did. No, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, this character could have some depth to her. Like, uh, like there would, like it's reasonable to imagine that she could have had a life that led her to uh, just like immediately succumbing to this like, you know, distant and like somewhat abusive man. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't know if that's here or there. Um, she didn't yeah. want to be the leader of the Earth Battalion. Maybe not. I mean, as of her brilliant <laughs> soldierly aptitude. 
Yeah, I mean, we also don't know, like, like we know that she's also nobil- nobility. We don't know how, like, the Empire appoints officers. Like, she might not have even wanted to be an officer, like, you know? Like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, but the all the characters in this, I think, are, are basically doomed. I mm-hmm. think that's, like, kind of, uh, I think that Washa kind of, like, gets off easy by yeah. dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, like the the real loser is I, I think I don't know if the real loser is either Helena or Basil. Like I think they're both losers here. Yeah. I think that uh, Basil, uh, you know, he's like very like he's even lukewarm about Helena. Like going back to his planet with him, he's like, well, there's things I can enjoy in my day. Yeah, he's a space but, guy like, too, right? Yeah. He likes he likes being out there. Yeah, well, I think he's just, like, deeply depressed and doesn't like anything, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so you know, he's just, like, mean to her. He's like, she's like, oh, I love you, I love you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Like, he doesn't and- put up much of a protest when he's he's asked to, you know, go on this mission. In fact, he, he kind of goes along with it just fine. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, but I think at that at one point he wasn't sh- like he thought he was going to turn them in anyway. He was it was a ride to get him back to uh, uh, Valduma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that I think that's supported in the t- in, in in the text. The whole yeah, you know, pull pull back pull back to that planet, but mm-hmm. eventually resist that impulse and, mm-hmm. and and yeah, go back to humanity and the and the human empire and of and Helena who wants to give up a career for twelve space babies. <laughs> didn't say 12 i don't think it said 12 i didn't she say like i think in a moment of inspiration she did did she say yeah. 12? Oh my well, God. 12 that's a litter i want to does a full dozen oh uh, yeah and and like he's like let's negotiate a baker's dozen um now i'm not going to be involved in these children's lives at all but your nobility neither will you we have servants for this uh, that's like, what the that's what the gender switch is so important about right like <laughs> I mean, until the actual babies are coming out of somebody's body and being needing to be nursed, um, it's all like you can just swagger around wearing your, you know, shirt and Captain's Earl's, you know, cap or whatever. It doesn't matter. But once the babies are are baking, then things start changing. Well, I don't know. If if they turn a gender switch, then she can pop them out and he can take care of them. She's going to go off and do other things. Yeah, but, but no, she is now, wait, she is now the Earl stay at home taking care of the babies. Now she is. Yeah. But I meant yeah. in the, in the, in that first thing you were talking about, the very first gender switch one. Uh huh. When the first story, like not this story, the other one where they switch genders. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So in that case, um the the she'd leave the 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 new female protagonist would leave the babies with the guy uh and go back out for further adventure it's very confusing (laughs) i'm trying to understand it i'm trying to understand like uh i don't think that it changes the story that much it just like i've become the viewpoint character of whoever the author's telling me it is right so whether that's a male or female doesn't really matter until you get down to the nitty gritty. So the, mm-hmm. most of the, most of the time it doesn't like in this story like this or in the case of um uh the pirates of Verzats, it's just like oh she's a lesbian or oh she's uh she's a powerful woman or something like that, right? Um whereas it, 
there is a there's a uh, Conan version. <laughs> they did of uh, Conan story. It's uh, which shall be worn, uh, which shall be born once more by Roberta E. Howard. <laughs> now the thing is, is Conan goes around from town to town kissing on the girls and then abandoning them. Right? He, he never raises kids. Um. So I don't think that unless you know they've got some magic birth control, I think that there's going to be a problem here. He's going to go around from she's going to go around from town to town getting pregnant and then what dropping the kids off as she leaves. Like there's moral problems with this, and I obviously there are with the other way around too. But, you know, he's not around when the baby's cooked. Uh, Whereas, I don't know. You know, he shows up in town and he's drinking. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, she, she's, she's trying to miscarry. <laughs> yeah. So she, oh, it's a much worse story now. That's a terrible story. I mean, it was bad yeah. in the first place. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it fundamentally has to change things. Um, is her name still Conan? It's C O N Y N, so it's Conan. But oh uh, yeah, but like like women. Yeah. Oh. I'll just read a passage here. Uh, one dipped, dipped lower and lower. Conan drew her head back as far as she could, waiting for the terrible with terrible patience. The vulture swept in. So this is probably the scene with um, with uh, Conan uh, on the cross. He's been. Nailed to the tree of woe. <laughs> the vulture she. swept. Yes, she has been nailed to the tree of woe. The vulture swept in with swift roar of wings. Its beak flashed down, ripping the skin of Conan's chin as she jerked her head aside. Then, before the bird could flash away, Conan's head lunged forward in and on her mighty neck muscles and her teeth, snapping like those of Olaf, locked on the bare, waddled neck. Instantly, the vulture exploded into squawking, <laughs> flapping hysteria. Its thrashing wings blinded the woman, and its talons ripped her bosom. <laughs> but grimly, she held on, the muscles starting out in lumps on her jaws, and the scavenger's neck bones crunched between those powerful teeth. With spasmodic flutter, the, bird's, the bird hung limp. Conan let go, spat blood from her mouth. The other vultures, terrified by the fate of their companion, were in full flight to a distant tree where they perched like black demons in a conclave. So, like, one of the things about Conan, if, if you see illustrations of him, he's, like, all covered in scars from all the battles he's been in, right? He's, you know, unlike Cull, who has one major skull uh, uh, injury, previous scar on his face, like, through his eye... Um, Conan just is covered in scars all over his body, right? This is how he's depicted. Tough guys, like Rambo, right, <laughs> in movies, are covered in scars from all the injuries they've received and survived. This is not a feature that most women want to, you know, highlight. But for men, scars are like trophies. They're evidence of their manliness. This is why it's so weird to just... You know, keep the entire story the same and just flip the gender on sometimes it depends on like what kind of person the the character is. If they're a manly man guy, then it makes a huge difference. But if in this story, I don't think it makes that big a difference. It's just the Lorelei is a is a dude. <laughs> there there's this um 
there's this young Tarzan story where he like decides that like the natural thing for him to do is to become a parent. So he like <laughs> kidnaps a child from a native village. I, thought you I feel said like a that parent. could be an interesting gender swap story. A, a parent, parent, yeah, parent. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's. I mean, it's a really interesting story. It's like it's called Tarzan and. Uh, it's either Tarzan and the Black Boy or Tarzan and the Little Black Boy, and I mean, you know, just go ahead and put a content warning on wow. it uh, for like predictable, uh, like racism, like you know, the child that he adopts, like like the child's mother has like filed her teeth down so that they're sharp cannibal teeth. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, there's really bad stuff in the story. Uh, but the, uh, you know, I think that's one that could be a good candidate for this gender swap game for <laughs> Tarzan with like, uh, with a Y like Tarzan or whatever, you know, wants to be a mother. Um, uh, well, I don't know in this one, the, the women are in love with him. Like all women, it seems just fall in love with him because of, we don't even know why he's, he's so, because we, he's not well fleshed out to know why but if you if you gender swap it usually the the like when men fall head over heels the woman is acting alluring generally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he's not like he's, oh no no he, he is he's, he's think about how he's sitting in that bar oh okay well he's got just, his feet up on the on the wooden table he's got a tankard of ale he's got his dog creature man right uh, yeah dog man native slave oh is he from that planet i don't know whatever he's he's a native somewhere Um, he's a native of somewhere um and he's rubbing rubbing that guy's head who's also drinking a tanker de veil and he's wearing his 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 old army uniform he's basically like uh i don't know mal from firefly right he's yeah well i guess he's if you're casting him you don't cast the ugliest guy you cast a handsome dude right Earl uh, Errol Flynn hey, Errol there you go Flynn. Errol Flynn right and th- that works because Errol was like a Nazi in real life too so oh was he like... oh shit <laughs> I didn't know that that's not good yeah. he, uh, didn't he drink too much I think he drank too much Errol Flynn out of time yeah, yeah we're done <laughs> <laughs> and with Nazis, that's a good way to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, yeah, but I, I mean, I think you've been hinting that this story is like, uh, you know, the 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 far right reactionary from the defeated society yes. learns to make common cause with the great empire. Um, that's like uh, a lesser evil than uh, whatever the external threat is in the real world. It would be communism, but yes. um, you know, here it's just vague. Yes. Uh, I, yesterday I tweeted at you, uh, I, I direct message you a tweet of, uh, Captain, Captain America, uh, fighting the communists. Did Let you see that? Look that up. Okay. So. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh crap. Yeah. One of the 50s stories. Yeah. So, uh, I, when the Captain America thing happened, I went and got all the, uh, original Captain America comics and, uh, you know, the movies and stuff. Because I didn't know much about him, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't an Avengers reader really. I was an X Men guy, but um, Captain America is so old uh, in terms of comic book characters. He's like he's not as old as ba- Batman or Superman, but he's one of the oldest superhero characters. Yeah, um, he's in the first wave of comic book superheroes. Yes, he's very early. He starts like and so uh, there's an issue that actually appears in the first Captain America movie. 
of Captain America, and they actually removed Bucky. They photoshopped Bucky off the cover because Bucky wasn't in that part of the movie, so it didn't make a lot of sense. He was in the movie, just he doesn't show up until later, right? But that comic is from 1941, and on the cover, uh, Captain America is socking Hitler in the jaw, right? Um, yeah. But it's from September of 1941. Or I think it's September. It doesn't matter. It's before the United States is in the war, right? But they're actually in the war already in a certain sense, just not technically declared, right? And the troops aren't mobilized in the same way that they will be in, you know, six months. So uh, a few years go by. <laughs> World War II is over. Who's the enemy that's getting socked in the jaw? Stalin. Alan? Well, here it's like a weirder myth than that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it says Captain America, commie smasher. Uh, and then you see Captain America lifting was maybe a commissar or something, uh, some Soviet soldier. He's got a, and, and his hands are like beast like and yes. disgusting too. Like it's, and it's see Captain America defy the communist hordes. And like the, the communists are like, like they have like, the quality of like beast men or yes. like they're not fully human in some way. Indeed. Like they're definitely white guys. And, and best of all, there's a sort of evil super monster, uh, who has a belt and boots, but no pants. <laughs> and it, it, it's the John Romita illustration. <laughs> yeah. And it um, says John Romita right under, right under the crotch of this monster. Um, so like at the, uh, right now I look at this and I think that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, uh, this is propaganda, right? The, but it's, you know the you know how Marvel continuity handles the anti-communist cap stories. How how do they do it? Um. So um. Uh. So when uh they were rebooting the character in the sixties, uh, you know they just disregarded all the stories uh from the fifties and said at the end of the war, Cap actually got you know like frozen, frozen in a block right, of right, ice right, and Bucky got killed. Um, and so, uh, the retcon was, well, so all these stories from the fifties where Cap is fighting communists actually happened, but it wasn't really Cap. It was this like deranged super soldier they made after Cap disappeared. This has been the SFF audio podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio.